the pride of Limerick, a young man named Sean Sheehan. The MMA media, Don Graham McDonald. The severe MMA people that are coming to the local shows way before everyone else. To see them coming up and they're getting their shot, and I'm proud that people are coming up with me. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 151 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan and with me, like every week, is the chorus Staunton of Irish MMA media. And we have a big week of discussion this week. We're going to look back at the UFC card, which saw Cowboy Cerrone take on Yancey Medeiros out in Texas at the weekend. We're also going to look back at the Bellator card, uh, which uh, was another leg of the Bellator Cruiserweight tournament, as I like to call it, in, in the heavyweight division. But we actually had two heavyweights this week, so we look back at that. Um, and we're going to look ahead to Cage Warriors next week. Have a pretty good card with Paddy Pym that making his, his return. Molly McCann is on that card as well, and a lot more. Um, and we're also going to look ahead to the UFC uh, card, which sees Jeremy Stevens take on Josh Emmett. Another couple of things as well. UFC two to one. Their boys came out this week, and Will Brooks uh, was was he caught or left the UFC? We, we'll talk about that anyway, and, and then we'll get into it. And we'll also get into your questions at the end. Um, Let's a bit of a tease here as well. There's a big announcement coming. It's either next week or the week after. So tune into the podcast the next couple of weeks. There's a there's a big announcement coming for the Severe and Med podcast. We're moving onwards and upwards. So um tune in the next couple of weeks and and uh, and you'll be hearing about that. So uh, there's a little bit of a, a teaser for you there. Graham, Hartings, how was your weekend? Yeah, my week was good. Uh, the weekend was uh, pretty heavy drinking wise. I was out on a. Uh... Friday and uh, meant to be just having a couple of casual drinks, but then turned into a few more. And then mm-hmm. barely got going for the engage. I had a engagement party on Saturday. I went. Uh, I was going to, so uh, I struggled through that. But uh, I was dying watching the UC yesterday in the middle of the night. Just wanted to go to bed, but uh, made it through in the end. <laughs> yeah, I was the same. I was on the beer as well. What a Saturday night? Yeah, and uh, struggled through. I actually fell asleep like quarter of the way through the Derek Lewis fight and I uh, had to watch him this morning but it was a, it was a pretty good card other than that and the Bellator card as well on Friday no cops after what was that about like no cops after Bellator yeah. I don't know Roadhouse is like a, a decent movie and all that but it's definitely no cops it's no cops I've never actually seen Roadhouse I'm, I'm everyone's telling me I should watch it but um I must I, must I haven't seen it in it. absolutely years but uh, yeah I've seen it I can't really remember what happened but I just remember it just he's just this cool bouncer Beating up people and being Patrick, all cool. That's Patrick, all I remember about. Patrick Patrick's crazy. Swayze, yeah, yeah. She's like the wind through my sails. <laughs> next to me. One of the best songs ever written. Like Patrick Swayze, legend, RIP, legend. Uh, right, let's get into the MMA anyway. There, there wasn't much, actually, there wasn't much soccer, was there? Liverpool weren't playing because they got knocked out of the FA Cup. Man United won 2 0. There was a joke. No, Liverpool uh, won 5 0 in the real shit. Oh, yeah. Uh, how could you forget? Man United are playing this week, actually, against <laughs> yeah, So hopefully, hopefully we'll win that. But yeah, right, let's get into the let's get into the MMA. And as we were mentioning there, um, it was off towards Austin, Texas. For UFC Fight Night Cowboy versus Medeiros, and it turned out to be a pretty, pretty exceptional um, card. Out of the first six fights, five of them uh, finished in the first round. With the with the other one, uh, a pretty entertaining decision. Um, there was three finishes out of six. Then in the main card, with with three decisions, which all were pretty good fights as well. So it was, a, it was an entertaining. Uh, card from top to the bottom, but let's let's start with the the main event, which saw Donald Cowboy Cerrone take on Yancy Medeiros, and it finished very late uh, in the, in the first round with only two seconds left in the first round, and it, it was an interesting enough uh, battle, wasn't it? You know, we speak about a lot about Cowboy struggling when people box at him, uh, and he did that for bits, but 
I thought I thought he actually coped pretty well with it and showed a new a few new dimensions to his game. I think there was there was a few moments early on where he kind of got flustered when he got hit with a couple of punches mm-hmm. to the face in a row, but he managed to to kind of buy himself a few seconds and fire back. And uh, uh, I kind of we were kind of talking about Yancey has good boxing, but he doesn't. You kind of need maybe we were saying he needs slightly better boxing to 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 beat Cerrone, but he came he he put up a good show, Yancey Medeiros, and it was it was a really good finish by Cerrone. Um, I thought the referee stoppage was brilliant. Uh, a lot of the time. The ref will kind of let it go because there's only a second or two left in the round. But uh, I think you could see when Yancey tried to get up and basically nearly fell over that uh, it was a good stoppage. Yeah, I thought I thought it was maybe one shot too late, but it, you know you can't fault him for that. Really, it was he he got knocked, he got hit, and knocked down, and uh, he took one shot in the ground, and I think that was it. And then he took kind of one more, and it was maybe a little, little bit too much. But as I'd say, it was a good stop as well. Uh, I agree with that. But it was interesting, Donald Cerrone in this fight. You know, I thought his his countering was maybe better than I've ever seen it before. Maybe it was because you know Medeiros was leaving himself uh, open a lot, as as you were mentioning there. You know, he I think he realized as well watching on Don Cerrone fights that that's how you get to him. You have to go push him backwards, use your boxing, and, and get to him that way. And it, you know, it didn't really work. I, I I was watching that fight and I had the exact same feeling as you you mentioned there that he got Cerrone got hit a few times and started to panic a little bit. There's no fight. I I don't think. I can't think of another fighter whose facial expression changes more than Donald Cerrone. You know, he's like this real positive guy when he starts and, you know, during the fight when it's going well. But when he gets cracked a few times or when it goes against him, his face just kind of turns and he's uh, he's always speaking about the mental aspect of fighting. And he spoke very well to MMA Junkie as, about it as well before this fight. And I think that's something he still struggles with and maybe will always struggle with. And, you know, it, I, I think the fact that he came through it here, is is something that could be big for him, and uh, you know, I, I know he's not one to um, do a lot of analysis and stuff in his fights, but I think this is an interesting fight to go back and look at because, like Cerrone, when he's good, he gets into that that Muay Thai stance. He gets his leg kicks going. He gets the head kick going, front kicks to the body. Gets his hand hands going behind him. You know, we we saw that that unbelievable clip of him landing. What was it, the five or, or six shot combination uh, not too long ago, knocking out his opponent. That's where Donald Cerrone is at his best. But when he yeah, gets in, story, yeah, yeah, that was story, really nice. Yeah. It's when he gets into kind of that war in close. That he the problems always are when it's just you know hand fighting against Donald Cerrone you're winning the fight you know if you get to that position but that at the weekend he didn't do that and I think that's you know that could be a big thing for Donald Cerrone going forward. Well, yeah, it's, he's been around, like I think he t- he's, he tied the the most fights in the UFC and usually when a guy's at that many fights you don't really see um, many improvements or the improvements are slight but I think yeah I think he was a bit more comfortable. Um, than than he would have than he would have been in the past in the situation of when his face turned as you said or maybe there's maybe it's not a facial thing but uh, I think a few other fighters like maybe Phil Davis and a couple others when they get hit they kind of react badly they their body mm. kind of looks you know they've been landed on just from the the reaction of the of, of their of their 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 reaction in general like the kind of shell up or the face turns as you said with Cerrone but um. When you're, when you're on a three-fight skid, there is that little bit of extra pressure on as well. And as you said, Cerrone's maybe struggled with uh, the mentality side of things over the years. And he seems to have got a little better with it over the years. But it's still, I think it's still there in the background. And he did well to to, to overcome a bit of adversity in the fight and to, to break the three-fight skid. But um, Yancey Udiris, like, you know, he's not he's not very top level. So it's it's I'd say that the problems of Cerrone with his uh, boxing defense and kind of lack of head movement. And as you say, like kind of reacting badly when it starts going against them, I think that'll probably 
rear its head again in the future when he when he steps back up uh, a level. Yeah, I th- he's talking as well about coming out of that fight that he's wanting to return to 155 pounds, go down to the lightweight division. Obviously, he you know he said he woke up. At, I believe I was saying if I might have been in the post fight press conference. That's where I read it this morning that he woke up at 168 pounds before the weigh in and and just walked in and weighed 168 pounds, which uh, would be great if everyone else was doing that, but they're not. Uh, everyone else is not doing that, and that's why you know I, I think it's it's kind of weird that people are talking about weight cutting and talking about being the fighter's choice to gain an advantage, where it's actually not. It's if they don't get, <laughs> if they don't cut weight, they won't have the advantage. You know, it's 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 to not take away. It's not to get an advantage. It's to take away the advantage of someone else. That's why people cut weight, and I think that's a huge point. And Donald Zeroni obviously doesn't have that anymore. You know, Yancy Medeiros now is a, is a different kind of cat. He he is not one of the bigger guys. I think I think he's fought a lightweight before. Hasn't he? I believe he yeah, has. He yeah. fought most of his career at lightweight. Yeah, he just moved up recently. Yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. So I really do think 155 is the place for Cerrone. You know, if he's walking around at one 168, that's just the reality of it. That people walk around it that way and are cutting, it. and that's not. Uh, that I wouldn't class that as a big a lightweight in you know in the situation that we have at the moment. So talking about Habib Nurmagomedov, maybe if Habib loses to Tony Ferguson, it could be a possibility. Um, do, do you think it is a possibility, or is it still a bit off? Um, yeah, I think it's definitely a possibility. Like when somebody fights as regularly as Cerrone as well, you can you can plug him in uh, if a fight falls apart, and uh, you can plug him in a short notice and all that. But I, also, if he was to go to lightweight, um, the, he kind of had fought everybody around the top when he when he left uh, fifty five bar the very top guys. But now there's a couple of new guys in there that he could fight as well. So maybe maybe like if he's taking a fight on short notice, well maybe welterweight is the best is the best place for him. So, uh, but if he's taking it on a, with a full camp, um, I don't see why why one fifty like he's not a huge uh, welterweight. He's a big he's a big long um, lightweight, but n- nothing that you put. Whoa, how is he making? How is he making one fifty five? You know, it's it's if he's if he's riding in in that one sixty eight thing, then. It's only what twelve pounds to get there for a non for a non title bout. That's not that bad compared to a lot of the a lot of the weight cuts that go on in the UFC with, with different guys. So, yeah, I think I think both divisions are are open to him, and I think it, it, it makes sense to to jump between the two of them. Like, I don't think he's ever going to be a champion, so he it just gives him more options, and he lo- he likes to stay active as we as we well know. So, yeah, I think I think fifty five and welterweight are, are a good idea for him. Yeah, hundred percent. And on Yancy Medeiros, then I just thought maybe the occasion got him a little bit. You know, he's this was his first time headlining UFC card. His last five fights were on UFC pay per views, where maybe you know he was kind of hidden in the background a little bit with no big, you know, big name fights. He obviously called by Oliveira, Eric Silva, Sean, uh, Sean Spencer, Francisco Trinaldo, John McDessie were his last few fights. And I think maybe you you speak about it a lot, and I, I know obviously you've been in backstage fights and stuff where people maybe the you know the big lights and a big occasion get to him. And for Anthony Medeiros, this was a big opportunity. You know, coming off three wins in a row against maybe the biggest name you know he's ever fought in his career. You know, he, he I know he's fought a, a couple of good guys like Jim Miller and and uh, Dustin Poirier and Eve Edwards before, but. Cerrone was definitely the biggest biggest name of his career and the biggest spot of his career. And he, he you know, he looked nervous. Uh, and, and he kind of fought in a in a nervous way. He he did he did take it to Cerrone in fairness, which is what you want people to do. But you know, when Cerrone that that left hand Cerrone was landing an awful lot through the night. And when you see someone landing that, maybe you should pull back a little bit. Maybe you should you know go like Eddie Alvarez and push Cerrone against the fence and you know reset you know 
get your game going at a, you know at another point. But am I being a bit too harsh, him, or did you sense that as well? Um, I definitely, definitely think there's a bit of extra pressure with the with the like the media responsibility and just the, the main event and just uh, just the hype around it. People talking a lot more about it, as you say, being buried on a, a pay per view card with with a couple of big fights at the top. You, nobody's really talking about Yancy Medeiros or. The only people talking about Yancey Medeiros are like the hardcore fans. Mm-hmm. So it's it's definitely a different situation. And I think though, like we obviously we 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 talk a lot about Cerrone's um boxing defense, but he, he is a, offensively he is really, really good. Like, you know, that, as you mentioned earlier, that Rick Story combination, um when he finished Rick Story and like broke his teeth or dislodged his teeth was uh was vicious like and he's had some he's had some like you know the eddie alvarez win was a big win i know eddie alvarez hadn't fought in the uc before and maybe he was going through a bit of nerves himself um and all that stuff but it was it was still a very good win and he, he like when he went when it get, when he gets going he can be very good it's just when you stifle his game and start putting punches in his face that um that he struggles so i, I kind of thought that yanti wasn't going to be able to do that but um and he, and he he did it to a little he did a little bit as we said but I just kind of it kind of went a little bit as expected. I, I, Yancey caused him some problems, but Cerrone won in the end. Maybe I, I didn't think it would it would be it would be uh, finished so quickly. I thought it might mm-hmm. go to decision, but uh, I thought Cerrone was going to be able to counter and just use this kind of wider array of strikes and maybe mix in a couple of takedown attempts or or takedowns, which he he kind of faked a couple of takedowns and kind of went for one early on, but. He, at least he threw out the the doubt in Yancy Medeiros' uh, mind that it like it might hit the ground that it's not just a kickboxing match. So maybe maybe that was a factor in in um, in Yancy Medeiros' mind as well. So it's hard to know what Yancy was thinking, but um, I think it was just uh, John Cerrone just had too many tools for him in the end. Mm-hmm. And just moving here onto the the co-main event as well, and to bring them kind of both together. I thought the finishes in both the main event and the co-main event were very similar where you had that one shocking kind of shot and which which left the opponent open and then they landed the, the other shot to finish him, which is exactly what Cowboy did and which is exactly what Derek Lewis did as well in just another typical <laughs> Derek Lewis fight. Like, literally, you could you could just replay what we said last week because it's exactly what happened. He was getting, you know, he was getting beaten pretty, pretty compre- comprehensively comes into the third round, still getting beaten, and then ends up winning out of nowhere <laughs> from a bit of a clinch. He lands one big shot, stuns Tybora, then lands another one, stuns him again, and then lands the, the big, was it was a right hand to finish him off uh, and put him down. And it's it's just typically Derek Lewis. You have to hand it to him. Like, I, I, always, I speak a lot about, on the podcast, especially about guys like Habib Nurmagomedov and you know McGregor and lots of guys. What, what makes a lot of fighters really great is their ability to go absolutely balls out at what they want to do. At, you know, you you have this idea, this is how I'm going to win the fight, and I'm nothing is stopping me. And that's what Derek Lewis is like. You know, if he gets taken down, he tries immediately to get back up. You know, he might not have the best technique in the world. He doesn't have the best takedown defense. He doesn't have a great guard. He's not great when he gets on top. He's not a technically good striker. He has lots of problems, but he has that insatiable will to win and he never stops and he keeps going all the time and that that in in fighting that is one of the most important things you 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 can learn everything else but you can't learn that you really can't and Derek Lewis has that and credit him I've given him you know lots of shit before in the podcast and he's a very very limited fighter and I think you know really good fighters will always beat him but he has beaten some really really good guys and I really think it's that heart that desire and that 
mental ability just to keep going all the time. Yeah, I think he, like Derek Lewis actually started off pretty well and, and I had a, it was kind of going his way early and uh, uh, Ty Burr just kind of mixed it up and started mixing a couple of takedowns. And as you say, Derek Lewis isn't exactly the most technical on the ground, but he's uh, he, he'll do he'll do everything that he that he can to, to get back up and uh, maybe it won't be that graceful, but it, it'll 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 be effective. And in a three round fight, I don't think he's he has to worry as much about casting out, so he can kind of use more explosion and stuff like that. But um, second round then he it was going really badly he was he must have been down for about four minutes of the five minutes and he didn't need anything too he didn't need any two big shots but it kind of it kind of looked like just if the can get another takedown in the third round then he, he's going to win it but Derek Lewis managed to manage to reverse and get up and do what Derek Lewis does and as you say when he when he does get it into a position that he, that he likes he he really does he go, go for it and he has that killer instinct and um, a lot of guys don't have that killer instinct, and who are more technically well-rounded uh, skill-wise than Derek Lewis. But uh, at heavyweight as well, obviously the 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 shots are bigger, and somebody like Derek Lewis packs a lot of a lot of a lot of power in his punches, in his ground and pound, and um, he he knows when to go off. <laughs> yeah, it was it was weird watching this fight on the ground because Lewis before I, I don't know his mount has actually regressed a little bit. He, like, he used to be get on the ground and he'd immediately mount you, get on top of you, and blow your head off. But he doesn't seem to be able to do that anymore. And I think it's maybe he's trying to control more on top. Um, but it, he just he just doesn't have the ability to do that. When he got on his back, then Tybora was able to mount him so easily. It was like a knife through butter getting in there. But as I said again, Lewis just he survived and he survived and he survived, uh, and he kept going. And you know, credit to him, fair play for doing that. But Tybora. The, the size advantage sometimes at heavyweight as well is shocking. You know, Tybura, you know, he's not he's not the smallest uh, heavyweight in the world, but Derek Lewis is an absolutely mammoth man. And as you said there, you know, he, he technique isn't his forte getting up off his back, but he's just so strong and can push guys off even from the mount. You know, it's hard to it's hard to finish Derek Lewis, and it's <laughs> you know it's funny, but in heavy in the heavyweight division. Derek Lewis can't be that far away from a title shot. I know he lost uh, to Mark Hunt last time out, but what that was off the back of one, two, three, four, five, six wins. You know, over guys like like Travis Brown was in there, Gabriel, Gabriel Gonzaga, um, yeah. Ryan Nelson. There's nobody really top though, is there? There's mm-hmm. nobody really at the at the very top of the division in that. Like you know, Travis Brown maybe was there a few years ago or was thought to be getting there, but he's he's had a really bad run. And Roy Nelson, that was a split decision, I think. And Roy Nelson has been kind of over the hill for a while, and Gonzaga's been over the hill for a while. So, um, like Victor Pesta, Grabowski, they're not exactly Ruan Potts, they're not exactly top level guys. So I think I think he needs to, and obviously as you say, he lost to Mark Hunt, um, who isn't a top level guy anymore either. So, I think, yeah, yeah, let's be honest. Um, but I think um, I think he definitely needs uh, like a win or two, maybe like somebody like. Volkov or Curtis Blades next, maybe. Yeah. What about this Francis Ngannou fight? He, he, I believe he called him out the other day on the MMA hour. I'm not sure if he mentioned it again last night, but a lot of people seem to be talking about it. I think that kind of makes sense. I know one's coming off a loss and one isn't. I was talking to Daryl about that the other day. I don't think that's really a factor anymore in the, in the UFC. And I think if that kind of fight kind of makes sense now. I think it makes sense for, for Ngannou to take a bit of time out, recover from all the shots he took, and just to add a bit of technique when you're... When, like, he was fighting very regularly there. Um, like, he had a really quick turnaround, uh, Ngannou did after... Or before the, before his last fight. So, I think it's it's probably better for him and 
better for everybody and better for the future the heavyweight division if they don't if they don't put that together next but wouldn't be that surprised um i think though maybe i think lewis probably get probably get somebody uh somebody like maybe strew volkov blade somebody something like that yeah, look, Eric Lewis has fallen an awful lot. Even neck, yeah, you know, if Olenek could get Lewis to the ground, it would probably be curtains pretty quickly. Yeah, I was thinking that like a, a jiu-jitsu fighter against him, like Verdum as well. I think it's an absolute nightmare matchup for for Derek Lewis. Um, <laughs> it's funny though because like I, I say these guys are nightmare matchups for him, but it's Derek Lewis, like <laughs> you know. But the, the positions he was giving up yesterday, where Tybora was basically just riding him out. Tybora is actually so good on the ground as well for a heavyweight, the way he rides guys out. And he doesn't have that killer instinct. And that's why I was looking at saying, like, if Verdun, because he has that ability to, to ride people out as well and, and, you know, move as they move and not lose the position. But then he has that killer instinct as well where he'll, you know, he'd take an arm home with him or he'll, he'll choke you out in a minute. Uh, I think he, that'd be just a nightmare matchup for him. You know, obviously, obviously Alistair Overeem is there as well. Cain Velasquez uh, is, is hinting about coming back fairly soon. Curtis Blades. There's a lot of there's a lot of good fights for Derek Lewis because, as you mentioned, like he hasn't really beaten any of the real top guys in that division. We named out the guys who he has beaten. So a lot of the guys around there are still good fights for him. And, you know, it, it's it's easier to get into the heavyweight top ten than it is to get out of it at, at this stage because there's so many there's such a lack of of uh, of talent there. Look, Mark Hunt is still there, like and you know, and obviously Mark Hunt won his last fight, but as you said, there he's not the top heavyweight that he used to be before. And uh, I think Lewis can kind of maybe play that because he will win fights like like last night you know where he is badly outmatched and he'll still end up winning them that's just what Derek Lewis is and you know just just plenty there's a big future for Derek Lewis in that heavyweight division I don't think he's going to win the title or anything anytime soon but he will hang around there for as long as he wants I think and get a lot of big fights yeah yeah definitely 100%. Uh, right, the third fight in on the card as well was a, a lightweight fight between James Vick and uh, Francisco Trinaldo. <clears throat> and it was it was a really, really high-level fight. I really like this. You know, look, looking at these guys where they're they're ranked in the in the lightweight division. They're, I believe James Vick is ranked number 12 and Francisco Trinaldo is ranked number 14. Uh, you know, with and it just shows you how good the lightweight division is because these two guys in any other division fighting at this level would be way higher ranked. I think Francisco Trinaldo is one of the most underrated fighters in the UFC as well. He's he's just so well-rounded, really good fighter. And he's James, awkward as well, very he, awkward. He's very awkward, like, yeah, because he can do lots of things to you. Like, he he hits very hard. He's unbelievably good on the ground. He is he can be a right pain in the hole when he pushes you up against the fence and tries to play out that that game like that. And James Vick on the other side, I, I really do think James, think James Vick will fight for a UFC title. You know, once this whole McGregor, Habib, uh, Ferguson thing gets gets out the way, he could be not maybe not next, but maybe one or two after that. I think another couple of fights, and he'll be in that mix because he is a nightmare for a lot of those guys up there. He's long, he hits hard, he's good jujitsu. But on the bottom, he's very very dangerous, and I think I really think he's a problem. I, I'm very high on James Vick. Yeah, yeah, Vic, Vic looked good again. Um, I think I think we kind of said we. It's hard to look good against Ronaldo. He's kind of like one of them uh, Asensio guys where he's just good everywhere, but maybe not spectacular anywhere. But he's just such a he's such a grinder and such a he makes it so difficult. He he ma- makes the best of what he has and he he's wily and he's he's been in there with some top guys as well. And uh, Vic is always talking about or has been recently talking about how hard he is finding to get matchups and. 
I believe him because the 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 body shape and the style is is and the, the name value isn't really there, so it doesn't really benefit a lot of these guys to to take such a difficult opponent in, in Vic. Um, like I'm looking at the looking at the rankings here. There's Chiesa, who he mentioned turned down a fight against him. Like I definitely like to see that. I think uh, I think Vic would win it, but I think Chiesa could cause him trouble if it if it hit the ground. It'd be interesting to see uh, what uh, what happened there and. Maybe like Benil Dariush or or even Kevin Lee, like you know, Kevin Lee needs to needs to kind of build himself back up as well. And the winner of that would be in a really good position to to, to fight one of the one of the guys maybe below Connor and Tony and Khabib, maybe like Alvarez or or Barboza or Gaethje even. Like Gaethje against Vic would be a serious serious matchup as well. Yeah, it'd be very interesting to see how Gaethje would get on because Gaethje's kind of a, a smaller in height wise anyway and reach. Um, 155 but he is a great man for getting inside and pushing that pace and i think that that's a very interesting styles matchup and i'd like to see it but i'd love uh, the fight that sticks out at me just looking at the rankings here is edson barboza i'd love to see james vick versus edson barboza i think that is you know standing up striking he that's the kind of test that vick needs like Barbosa's a really, really good striker, and he can prove himself as a top fighter. You know, I, I was saying there, I think he is a top fighter. I think he's a championship uh, or contender level fighter at least, anyway. But he has to prove that as well. And I think against Edson Barbosa, he could prove it. And I think that's the type of matchup he needs. And Barbosa is a guy as well who will take those fights. You know, we, we, he takes on all comers. You know, he fought Habib, fought he fought Tony Ferguson, he fought everyone on the way up, and. I think that fight would make sense, but as you mentioned there, there's a lot of good fights for him. You know, Poirier is fighting Gaethje here coming up. Even even yeah. if you look down the rankings a bit, I know the rankings are all over the place. But if you if you look Pettis, that like I'd like to see that mm-hmm. fight. I know it's, it's it's definitely it's not the step up that Vic is looking for, but like I'd like to see what happens there. Like I I don't think I don't know I don't know about Vic's takedowns. They they don't seem all that great, but but once he is good on the ground when he gets it there. But um, Pettis's kryptonite obviously is is. Wrestle, wrestle heavy uh, game plan against him. So, um, if, if Vic was willing to strike with Pettis, maybe it, it could be a very interesting fight. So, I wouldn't mind seeing that as well. If, um, but there's, there's loads of matches from there. As <clears throat> usually, when you've been around, what is he, nine? <clears throat> sorry, nine and one in, in his last, or eight and one, is yeah, it? What's it? Nine and one, yeah, nine and one. And that's a really good record. And it's surprising that he hasn't really fought all the guys around him. And that's why I'm, I'd be inclined to believe him that these guys are turning down the. The fights against them because usually you, you, you would have fought at least a few a few of the guys around you on the rankings or uh, at the top of the division when you're on a streak that long. So mm-hmm. people, who's the you, one guy to beat him? Who's the one guy to beat him? Who is again? Benil Dariush, the goal. Oh, Benil. Hashtag Team Sheehan. He's on his way back. <laughs> he's on his way back. He's got to be champion. He's got to be champion. But yeah, yeah I was, forgot about that fight. Yeah, yeah. Very impressed with it with James Vick. Do you know what I'd love to see actually James Vick against Nate Diaz? I know there's no hope in the world of it. Yeah, happening, I was, was going to say that earlier, but then I was like, God, oh, there's no way Nate Diaz is going to do that. Yeah. There's no point. Actually, <laughs> we have to mention. It would be Nate interesting Diaz. though. It would be interesting. We though. have to mention Nate Diaz. Did you see him last night with the yeah. giant in his hand? That was no, no. It was an e cig, was it? <laughs> was oh, like, Ariel, Ariel, Ariel. Ariel. Yeah, right, e cig, <laughs> I think. Uh, it was if if you weren't watching, uh, <laughs> Derek Lewis was being interviewed in the cage. 
stage. And uh, Derek Lewis, in his, his post-fight interview, said he was going to go deep in his wife <laughs> after the fight. So immediately, they're like, oh, Jesus, cut away. So they immediately cut away from Derek Lewis. And they cut to Nate Diaz in the crowd. <laughs> and Nate was there, you know, giving it his west side or east side or whatever it is. And then he, like, <laughs> he pulled a giant out, <laughs> stuck in his mouth, and then pulled the lighter up. and was just about to light it. And they pulled, <laughs> they pulled away from the screen again. We're back to Derek Lewis. Like, so a lot of people bought her, I think, said it was one of the, the greatest... Uh, a few seconds in UFC broadcast history and it really was it was so hilarious and did you see the pictures afterwards as well there was like two little kids <laughs> sitting right behind him in the crowd it's like oh god it was it was just the, the most uh the most epic Diaz brother moment we've we've I've missed the Diaz brothers so much you know yeah. they've had so many epic moments it kind of gave me a flashback to the to the uh just bleed guy and in the in the mm-hmm. clip of the just bleed guy there's a guy in the corner of the frame just like smoking a spliff on the slide yeah. <laughs> Gotcha. You have to, you have to love the Diaz brothers. Hopefully, Nate comes back pretty soon as well. Hopefully, he was there uh, discussing a contract or something, or discussing his next fight. And I'd love to see him back. We spoke about that anyway a few weeks ago. But yeah, there's, it'd be great to see, uh, see Nate back. Uh, a couple more fights here before we move on. I was very, very impressed with uh, uh, what's his name, Curtis Curtis Millinder. Yeah. Very, very impressive against Thiago Alves. Went in there, absolutely battered him fought long, used his jab well, striking looked on point, nearly knocked him out in the first, and it did knock him out in the second with a, a huge jumping knee, kind of, very, very impressed with him. Yeah, it was it was the first round, he looked like he was going to be able to finish Alvarez, or Alves, um, he, uh, Alves kind of looked a bit shop warm, but then when the second started, it looked like kind of Alves had figured it out a little bit, and he was maybe even edging the round, but then when you when you get hit with a big shot like that, it's obviously a game changer, and it was really really nice, um, really nice timing and a really nice finish, and it's it's a big win for him because like okay, Thiago Alves is definitely not anywhere near what he used to be, but he's a bit of a name like people people know know of him. He's he's fought for the title in the past, like against GSP. I know it was it's probably about seven or eight years ago at this stage, but like um, he he's he's definitely not the not the same fighter he was, or maybe he is the same fighter he is and was in the game. It's just moved on and kind of past him. Mm-hmm. Um, he's kind of, he's not able to land the leg kicks like he used to. He's not able to take shots like he used to as well. So um, it was a, it was, it was still a very good win for Melender and a, a good name recognition win, but it's, it's kind of, it's kind of sad to see guys like Alvarez or like Alvarez, keep calling him Alvarez, like uh, Thiago Alves, um, just kind of the game passed him by so much. And he's obviously had a lot of injuries and stuff. So he hasn't, he hasn't really, he hasn't really progressed. Like maybe when he first came into the UFC, people thought he was going to be like the next best thing. And a lot of times, a lot of times when guys come in and with the hype like that, like even even people like Rory McDonald, they they never actually get to the to the UFC title, or they never they re- never reach the levels that. Uh, maybe it's a pressure thing, or maybe it's maybe people are maybe Alves was more developed uh, in his career. He wasn't as 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 raw as people thought when he came in, but. Yeah, it's it's not as stacked as lightweight at, at, at welterweight, but it's still very stacked. So you're looking at people like Till and Usman there, and even like Nelson and Gunnar Nelson and uh, Condit and even Cerrone and people like that. Like maybe Cerrone, like the the timeline kind of matches up. Mm-hmm. They both fought, um, they both fought on the same card. They could do it again in three or four months. And um, Cerrone says he doesn't turn down fights. He just in the post fight interview he just said they they tell me where we're going next, and I say yeah. So maybe that would make sense. Um, it would be a big step up, though. Uh, big step up. Um, I think 
I think maybe give him a, give him another couple of fights. That maybe yeah. even Yancey when when Yancey's recovered, that could make sense. But maybe even somebody lower than that, maybe somebody off the rankings next, just kind of give him a bit of time to to add to the highlight reel and to feel a bit more comfortable in there. And as as I was saying, you know, he didn't he didn't nearly knock him out in the first round and finish him in the second. But kind of, Alves had kind of figured out or kind of figured him out a little bit in the second round. So there's definitely things he can go Curtis can go back and look at in. Uh, Look at in that fight and improve on and fi- fix in his game. So I don't I don't think there's any rush with him. Yeah, just before we move on as well, I think Millinder shows the importance of how you have to be patient with fighters starting out. Like he got choked out by Brennan Ward uh, almost exactly three years ago today, and you know he that was when he wasn't even two years in as a professional fighter, uh, and he lost three or four fights in 2015. And you have to be patient with guys like that. I think uh, he, well, he's won like something like six or seven in a row now uh, since since those three losses in four fights. And you know, he's fought in Bellator a good few times and now coming into the UFC. Uh, and, you know, as you said there, the slow roll might be better for him, even though he did beat Thiago Alves. And it's hard to take kind of a step down when you beat a guy like that with name recognition. But I wouldn't mind a, a little bit of the slow roll for him. You know, he still is only barely five years uh, as a pro and he's what 30 years old in, in, in MMA terms. That's that's still pretty young. But um, yeah, I think. I think high hopes for him going forward. I, I really do think there is there's a lot of potential there, and it's obviously gonna it's gonna tell more when he when he steps up in, in quality and and uh, you know gets into the kind of the the UFC grind, and we, we'll see how he can do then. But yeah, definitely definitely impressed with him. Um, <clears throat> other fights in the card: uh, Jeff Neal had a good win over um, Brian uh, Camozzi, uh, Carlos Diego Fajardo had a good win over Jared Gordon, Brandon Davis, and Stephen um, Peterson put on a, a very good fight as well, which won fight at night. Um, uh, Lucy uh, Pudlova was very impressive as well uh, against Sarah Marisha. I really liked that fight, and there was big wins as well for Oscar Pichota and uh, Alex Morona. But before we go, we were on to talk about uh, Sage Narcot and uh, Thibaut Guti. It was a hotly contested decision. Personally, well, I watched it back again today, scoring it last night. I thought. No, I wouldn't say it was. Well, it was. I thought it was pretty obvious that Sage won. Yeah, I thought, I thought he won as well. I don't no, know no, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. Like, no. Like I haven't watched the back whoa, here. Whoa, 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 whoa. Say, uh, let me, let me, let me rephrase that. now. I thought it was pretty obvious that Sage won the second, that Tebow won the first, and that Tebow won the third. I thought Sage Narcot lost his fight, but watching it back today, it wasn't as clear and obvious. I might have been a little bit harsh, a little bit tired last night. I actually think. I don't think Sage won the first. I think if this first was definitely Tebow's, but I thought Sage really? could have won. I thought Sage could have won the third. Like if you're that first round is is one that the judges will probably study and show people. Like he Tebow landed the two big hard shots. One was more clubbing than anything. wasn't a huge shot, but it was a big enough shot, bigger than anything Sage landed. And then he had landed another one that rocked him to his core, put him on his arse. Uh, would have been close to. Finishing it, I think, but push him up against the fence after it. Like that's how you score, judge. You score on damage, on people, on, on on how people are hurt. And Sage, like Sage, landed one elbow that was maybe close to the second biggest shot that Guti landed, and he had a good takedown and he top position and stuff. But there was nothing. Sage landed nothing. Even if you talk about accumulation, which you shouldn't, there was nothing. Sage landed as big as those two shots, and I think you have to score around that way. Uh, I think way. it was basically all that Gucci did in that fight, though, was, or in that round, was was that big shot. And I think the rest of it was like obviously the little bit of recovery period, but the, the rest of it was, was Sage kind of picking him off a bit. 
uh, it was definitely a close round, but I definitely didn't see the 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 controversy. And I I actually personally would have given the first round to to Sage. Um, I, 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 I don't think he was rocked to his core like like you're saying. I think he like he got dropped to a shot, but like I don't think it was. Uh, I don't think it was like you know that one that one punch takes away everything else that happened in the round. Um, uh, I I thought I thought there was two bunches and I thought it did. I thought it was big enough to win the round. I watched it back in, watched it closely because of last night. The tor- I think the third round was really the one where the, it was the most controversial because nothing really happened in that. And you know, when when nothing really happens, you have to kind of maybe go talk to con- control. You know, you know, we as we Guti said, actually like literally that. did absolutely nothing with the top position. He just yeah, he did no, he <laughs> didn't. But Sage didn't really do anything either in that fight. I was, you know, you, he I could a lot see more the argument. Though. Yeah, I could see the argument saying he landed a lot more but the QT landed a few as well he actually landed one really nice shot uh on the feet against i was an elbow or right hand i, I can't remember 100 now but he landed one pretty good shot which hurt sage a little bit which you know if you're taking in all of sage's small shots i think that you know there was one shot it, it was close i i may have been overreacting a little bit last night laughing at it and stuff but i did i thought Gooty won the fight to be honest but well i haven't watched it back yet either but uh, at the time I, I definitely didn't see what the what the uproar was like i the i had the third for sage and the first i thought like you know could go either way i would have would have edged it towards sage myself but mm-hmm. i haven't watched it back like you so on a whole, though, what did you think of of Sage's performance? Did you see improvements in him? No, I didn't actually. Um, I thought he, I think I said it on the podcast last week that he looked the best he'd ever looked uh, in his previous fight, but he kind of the the old problems kind of came out again. His lack of takedown defense and his um, he's just not he's just not very good on the ground. But he still is only twenty one. He's just so young. He's just been around for a few years now already. I think people people kind of forget how young he is and. He's definitely he, he's he's definitely made a good decision going to a camp like Alpha Male instead of uh, training like with with like uh, his dad and all that stuff. So I think that'll stand him well. And he's definitely young. And when you're young, you you seem to be able to pick up pick up things quicker. And um, I, I, I definitely like I think they tried to make a I think the UFC matchmakers tried to make a fight here for Sage to win, and he he barely got the decision. But I, I don't think it was the impressive performance people were, were looking for. I, I agree with you. Um, I actually do think he improved uh, a little bit. He uh, look. My biggest problem with Sage is that he sometimes he tends to go full Anthony Pettis, <laughs> where the only where the only direction he knows is forward and backwards. And he Sage, when you fight like Sage does, you need to move sideways. And he, like he's see what Sage is great at, right? When someone pushes Sage backwards, or when he when he's fighting with you hand to hand combat or a foot to foot combat, or whatever way you want to say it, he's great at defending when he has plenty of room behind him because he can move back and he can get away from you. But Sage struggles with his spatial awareness an awful lot. He he tends he tends to be a guy that doesn't know where he is in the octagon. For me, looking at it anyway, and and he backs himself into a corner. And when he moves out, he he doesn't move with the angle out. He doesn't jab his way out to get that step to get out of it. Now he did that a few times last night, very very well. And that's why I think why I said I think he's improved a bit because he did it. Maybe fifty percent of the time, even he did it. But that's too much. If if you if you struggle that many times at getting pushed up against the fence and letting guys push you, not not just pushed up against the fence in a grappling sense, but push you up there in, in a striking sense where you can't get out, 
that's it's devastating for a guy like Sage Narcott, who's a really good athlete and who has so many advantages because it takes away those advantages because he doesn't have the room to move and to use his athleticism. And that's why I think as well, you can never, ever rule out Sage Narcott of becoming a top fighter because he has such an athletic advantage over everyone else. He is a, he's a phenomenal athlete. He's so fast, so strong, just like he, I was watching the fight with Patrick this morning, and he he made me said that he kind of he moves like a flyweight, and he does at times, but he doesn't do it enough. I I think there's might be a little bit of a lack of confidence, and it's funny saying so, someone like Sage Narco with all his gifts had a, la- a lack of confidence, but I think he might as well, and a, a lack of confidence maybe in his cardio because of the amount of muscle he takes, and maybe that's because of something in the gym, and maybe that's something he can improve as well. But I think. If he gets a little bit more confident and he can go three full rounds moving the way he needs to move and his cardio stands up for him, I think if he does that once in his career, uh, it, it will improve him and he, he'll bring it into his future fights and then the, the finishes will come again. You know, Sage has no finish in the last three years, but Sage is a guy who's who's kind of been... It's not He hasn't really been hyped up as a fighter, but he's been hyped up as like a star. And I think... It's it, when you're looking at Sage, and if you look at actually his gifts and his ability, kind of see a perspective in the guy that he, you know, he has never been asked to be to be made. He's never asked to become a star, but I think he's asked and he wants to. And his desire is to become a great fighter. And he, you know, it's kind of the the whole star thing kind of comes naturally to him from the USC's perspective anyway but the fighting thing is he needs to do a lot of work at it and I think he's willing to do a lot of work and I think he does do a lot of work as you said you know going to team alpha male there's improvements you can see he's trying different things doing different things and young guy those things I, I really do think they'll come I, I think Sage Narco is going to be a good fighter you know what I mean? he might never be the best fighter in the world but I I've, I hold a lot of hope for Sage Narco yeah, like for all the criticism he's taken over the years as a as a young fighter, he is ten and two. Like you know, it's it's not it's mm-hmm. not as bad as maybe people some people make out. But um, just, just there's kind of like a blueprint there already to beat him, and he, he needs to he needs to sort that out. Like he need, his yeah. ground game has to improve. Or some guys maybe you know like Melvin Gillard years ago, he just couldn't stop getting rear naked chokes, taking down and mm-hmm. back taking rear. Maybe maybe that'll be the case with. With Sage, maybe, even if he has yeah. all this speed and explosion and mm-hmm. uh, power and stuff, but he just he just can't get over the get over this flaw in his game. Maybe that maybe maybe that'll be the case, but he has a lot of time to sort that out. And uh, I think yeah, as we said, like Alpha Male is a good place to go if, if you if you want to sort out your, your wrestling and um, and your angles and all that stuff. So yeah, it's, 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 I think it's a good choice of camp, and it's it's still very early days and in, in obviously twenty one and it's very very young in, in MMA. Even if he ha- has already had twelve fights. Um, I think I think the UFC will will keep giving them guys like kind of Quinones and Guti. That they they I think they know now that he's not ready for the push. Um, up the up the up the anyone anyone anywhere near the rankings or anything like that. So, um, I think the slow game with him is is the way to go and let let him have time to develop an alpha male. Yeah, they just need to um, they need to just stick him with. Darren Elkins and have him uh, <laughs> have him spar with Darren Elkins every day for the next year and that'll make a fight out of him. So there you go. Right, uh, let's move on. Bellator at the the weekend put on uh, not a bad card at all here. Um, we had four good fights. Liam McGeary ended up losing to Vadim uh, Mimkov, Heather Hardy and Anna Hulatan put on one of the worst fights I've ever seen. <laughs> 
Vieira got a beautiful finish uh, over Derek Campos and uh, Matt Mitrion and Ryan Nelson uh, put on a not bad fight uh, as well. I actually didn't see the, the Liam McGeary fight. How did that one go? He lost in the, the third round. He did TKO 10 injury late in the third. Yeah, it was leg kicks and um, it, he kind of he kind of was eating a good few and he collapsed to the ground and the ref stopped it. And I think afterwards he posted on social media, uh, McGeary posted on social media saying he fractured his fibula uh, in his leg. So, uh, yeah, it's 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 a broken bone leg. I don't know, I don't know how long he'll be out, but um, it, it's it's kind of a bit of a fall from grace for McGeary. Like he, he was kind of. He has this kind of on his way to the, to the to the Bellator title. He kind of was pulling guard and jumping triangles and looked to be really tricky on the ground. But then a, a couple of fights, um, he wasn't out, or what was it? The I think it was Emmanuel Newton fight where he had about six or seven different triangles and he couldn't finish any of them. Yeah, and, and maybe people weren't as afraid of his ground game after that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. but uh, like even in the even in the Brett McDermott fight, he got tagged and. It was like Brett McDermott was just, just like you know, he was he just retired. He was out in the points and all that stuff. Like you know, he wasn't exactly getting ready for this, and uh, he, he caused McGarry some pro- some problems. So, like, yeah, he had some good wins on himself. Like he did, he did win the the Manuel Newton fight, like, and he he did beat Tito Ortiz. But since then, like Phil Davis lost like by decision, and kind of to be expected. Then the Brett McDermott fight wasn't that wasn't that uh, impressive, in my opinion. Then the, obviously the Linton Vassell fight, he he got choked out in the, the, the third round, or got choked in the third round in that one. And this loss now just kind of takes his recent record to what three wins and in, in four fights, and the one win is Brett McDermott. So it's kind of back to the drawing board at McGeary. He needs to he needs to, there's, there's a lot of holes in his game, and he, he he's mid thirties already, so he may be kind of only fifteen fights deep in in his career. But it's kind of make or break now already, and uh, for him in his next fight. Yeah, uh, what about this Heather, Heather Hardy and a uh, uh, yeah. fight? It was absolutely atrocious, just awful MMA. Two world championship boxers, I believe, gone out there grappling each other, pushing each other against the fence, just kind of falling on top of each other. Terrible jujitsu, just absolutely lackluster. <laughs> Awful, can't say enough. And they meant to have a boxing match as well. I saw somebody yeah. tweet like, oh, "I can't wait for their boxing match now." <laughs> <laughs> I won't be watching. Well, the boxing match it can't be any worse than that anyway. It was atrociously bad. Like it, we mentioned, talk about Heather Hardy last week, and that you know she has everything. And uh, for uh, and I talk about maybe the, the Bellator being able to um, match make her well to bring her up and make her a star. But God Almighty, it's going to be hard to match make her uh, if she keeps fighting the way she is. She's just not not a high level MMA fighter at all and it's funny because uh, her last couple of fights you know she lost her last fight but the fight before that as well she showed you know, she showed great heart and she showed a desire and as I said kind of a Derek Lewis style maybe you know people people love and respect that but that's that only goes so far when you don't have the skill level and obviously she's concentrating on her boxing as well and you know maybe it's been a little bit harsh but this was the third fight from the top on a bellator numbered event you know with with, with the uh with two of the biggest heavyweights uh in in the in the heavyweight tournament on the card so you have to treat it like that as well and it just wasn't that quality at all yeah uh, there's, there's plenty of cannon fodder out there if they want to give her that but i don't like as you say i don't see her uh rising through the rankings and becoming uh to becoming a high level mixed martial artist or even a star in in a sport due to that due to like domination or like knocking like people out like maybe like cyborg and stuff like that i don't i just don't see it uh but like 
two and one, you know, it is very, very early days and she's fighting quite regularly for somebody uh, new to MMA as well. So maybe she can, maybe she can turn it around, but it, it just, there was, there was not many, there wasn't many good signs in, in that fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Patricky Pitbull as well, you know, beat Vincent Henderson last time out, beat uh, Josh Thompson the fight before that and beat Derek Campos here as well with a vicious, vicious shot. Uh, and, you know, he's, those Pitbull brothers, you know, we talked about him before, and as one of the lads was saying, he's the he's the Phil Neville of uh, of the the Pitbull family. But you know, Phil Neville is the <laughs> captain himself as well, and I think he's pretty good. Another good performance here. Yeah, um, he, like he has some good wins, like Sadawad and Campos twice. Ryan Couture, like I know Ryan Couture isn't, isn't exactly brilliant, but he, he's an awkward guy to fight. And the guys he's lost to recently are Michael Chandler and and the split decision to Derek Anderson, which. Uh, which um, I, I can't I can't actually remember if, but a split decision probably means it was a close fight. And Marcin Held is obviously really good on the ground and lost to him. So he's he, he's kind of as you say he's he's the the, the kind of less touted and maybe less talented uh, brother uh, pitbull brother, but he's still a very good fighter. Like a, wins over Benson Henderson, um, Josh Thompson are not definitely not to be sniffed at. Like there's not there's not many guys you can you can beat that are that are more that are better and that are have more um have more name value and ability than, than Benson Henderson and Josh Thompson. So he's he's beaten he's he's doing really well and he, he seems to have he seems to have um improved. Like he's he's had what, eight or nine losses in his career over the years, but um I think a lot of them were, were early on and when he was first in Bellator he was kind of struggling against people like Alvarez or Eddie Alvarez and Obviously, the first Michael Chandler fight. I think that all them fights just came too early for him. I think maybe uh, he's kind of found a groove now, and obviously he's 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 coming off the the knockout of Derek Campos, but the the split decision win over Benson Henderson. Like everybody knows how awkward Benson Henderson is to fight, and he he's, has a way of edging out rounds, and it it shows that that Pitbull is is a top fighter. But I do, I just don't see him uh, getting past people like like. Uh, Chandler, I just I think Chandler is too good for him. I think he's beaten him already as well. So it's a, kind of a tough situation to be in. But maybe maybe something like Brent Primus next for him. Mm. How dare you, <laughs> Brent Primus, is defending his title against uh, against Michael Chandler? How dare you? Yeah, but once Chandler beats him, then we can just get, we can. Uh... Uh, maybe he'll break his leg again, and maybe he's, the chair will be pulled from under him. You never yeah, know. Yeah, the steel trick. Ready these, these things happen in MMA. Uh, <laughs> and the main event in. I scored it a draw, to be honest. I thought it was going to go to a sudden victory round. I thought Ryan Nelson, obviously, and Matt Mitchell, and I thought Roy did enough in the third round to get a, a 10-8. It was obviously in the Mohegan Sun where they have the new scoring system. Uh, and he did, you know, he had that crucifix, and the referee told Mitrion at one stage to move. Uh, he was going to finish it, and he had that in for, what, maybe a good 90 seconds or two minutes. So I thought that was enough to get the 10-8. But before that... Um, it, it kind of the first two rounds went similarly enough. Uh, Mitrion was boxing and looking very good, moving, you know, using his athleticism. Then Roy was getting the takedown, maybe, maybe with a minute left in the first round and then a minute left in the second round, but it wasn't enough to take either round. And I think Mitrion mm. definitely took the two. Oh, well, like it was, it was a, it was one that was like, is it a ten? When you're at the time, you're like, is it a ten? Is it not? But I think the fact that the Roy Nelson never really postured up and tried to land any big, any big finishing shots, he was just kind of happy to to do the Roy Nelson kind of pitter patter thing. I think I think I probably would have went ten nine just because there was no actual like huge huge combinations from from Nelson on the ground. He didn't really go all out for the for the finish or go all out for the the ten eight. So yeah, I probably I, I probably would have went ten nine and just yeah, edged it for Mitrion. 
I can I can definitely say that argument, yeah, in fairness. Maybe it's just because I kind of wanted to see another round as well. It was it was actually a better fight than I thought it would be. Ryan Nelson, you know, I, I watched, uh, and I think we talked about it in our uh, extra podcast that we did the other day, that I watched the first fight again, and it's obvious that Ryan Nelson isn't the same fighter he used to be. He doesn't have that speed and that ability. You know, obviously he was never Usain Bolt or anybody. You know, he's, <laughs> he doesn't have that ability to land that big right hand much uh, anymore, and it's going to be very rare when he, he, you know, there was a point there where he was landing in every fight, but he's he showed an ability to go back to, you know, there's there was Ryan Nelson, then there was Ryan Nelson 2.0 who was knocking everyone out, and then there's kind of back to Ryan Nelson 1.0 again, where he's taking people down and maybe using his jujitsu and his belly to, to, you know, to stand up for him, and I think that's a very effective Ryan Nelson, and uh, you know, Mitrion is no joke. A lot of people favor Mitrion to win the tournament, and Ryan Nelson gave him all he could. You know, I thought it was a draw. I think a lot of people thought it was a draw. Either way, it was, it was pretty close. Uh, but yeah, it was it was a pretty good fight. Mm. I, I thought. Um, and if it had it went another round, it would probably be, be obviously we didn't see it didn't happen, and maybe everything would have been different. But it looked like the kind of the tide had turned against Matri- uh, Matt Mitrion and that one. <laughs> Matrion, yes. <laughs> Miss Matrion. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely. Well, coming out of that. A lot of people are saying, you know, this is Ryan Bader's tournament to lose. Now, I actually think, you know, Bader is fighting King Mo, and I think the winner of that uh, might might win the whole thing. But Mo, I think Bader is uh, a favorite. I think, yeah, yeah I definitely. But I, I like I like that Mo Bader fight. I think that's an interesting fight because they're two similar enough kind of kind of guys. I I do think. Um, Bader is is a better fighter, but Mo has more experience at heavyweight. He might come in there a little bit bigger. His wrestling is very good. You know, Bader on the feet is good, but Mo is no joke as well. His boxing is good. Bader probably has the power advantage, all right? But I'm really looking forward to that fight. I think they're very similar guys, very well matched up, and I think that's going to be probably be, you could that could be a fight. now. it goes to the, the, the you know the the fourth round again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, if if it's uh, two rounds, so one split decision or something like that. Uh, I'm 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 really looking forward to that fight. But yeah. I think the the winner of that was is most likely to to win the the tournament out. But yeah, I, li- I like this tournament uh, and uh, the 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 cruiserweight division in Bellator is is p- popping off at the moment. So I'm um, fair play to him for that. Uh, I'm just waiting for the whole tournament to fall apart, like all tournaments yeah. do. God, Czech Congo is going to win it, isn't he? Hundred percent, hundred percent. Conrad, call Conrad. Hashtag white milk. No, what is that? Fuck, white gold, white milk. I fucked that up badly. <laughs> I fucked that up right. Right, let's move on to next week's cards. Uh, and it's actually a pretty good card here, looking at it. Main event, Josh Emmett versus Jeremy Stevens. I know you're a, you're a fan of both of these guys. How do you think it'll go? Um, like, Stevens is a bit inconsistent. Like, he can he can kind of blow his, blow his load and... Uh... Whoa! <laughs> and... and throw away fights but I, I think he's gonna have enough here he, he he seems to be recently he's looked really good i think jeremy stevens to be honest he's he went through a bit of a he's been a bit of an up and down guy over the years he's had a lot of losses in the ufc but and he's kind of stepped it up recently he's kind of i don't know he may be more confident or i think he was always confident but i don't know he just there's something something seems to have clicked with him and he's doing a little like you know the gilbert blendez win okay gilbert blendez isn't exactly the Gil Melendez of old, but it's still a really good win and one that maybe Stevens w- would have lost uh, in the past. And Duho Choi is obviously a really good fighter as well, and he, he put him away in the I think it was, what was the second round, first or second round. Yeah, um, like, what was it? he lost to Frankie Edgar? Like, there's, there's definitely no shame in that. Like Adderick. Max Holloway, Charles Oliveira, Cub Swanson. Like, these are these are good guys. Like, but uh, um, he, he when he steps up to the, to the very top level, like you know Pettis and Cerrone, Cerrone back in the day when 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 he was fighting them, they were at the top level. He he was uh 
he struggled, but he does hold wins over over like uh, Rafael de Sanos way back in ten years ago, back in two thousand eight, and um, Danny Downs and Honey Jason, and he beat Elkins. So like you know, on his day he beat Bermudez as well. Like you know, on his day he's just a bit of an up and down and consistent fighter. You, you never really know what you're going to get from him, but I, I just think he's he's looked he looked confident and he's looked a bit better recently. So I'd go with him here, but. There's a, there's a bit of a uh, unknown factor with Josh Emmett. Like uh, he's kind of Jeremy Stevens, obviously been around for age, been around forever. WEC, UFC, but uh, Josh Emmett only started fighting back and made his pro debut back in 2011. He obviously did the usual thing of of getting to like five, six, seven, and zero fighting fighting guys who had not great records. But since then, he has good wins over John Tuck, obviously a, a good fighter, it was a split decision, but he got he got the nod. Scott Holzman, he lost to Des Green, who's a who's a good wrestler. That was a, another split decision. And then in his last fight against Ricardo Lamas, he he knocked out Ricardo Lamas with a with a brilliant uh, brilliant finish. So it's it's a bit of there's a bit of unknown here with Emmett, but if I had to bet, I'd go I'd go with Stevens. But I'm I'm kind of interested to see what Emmett looks like here and can he can he like do what he did against Ricardo Lamas again, or was that a bit of a was that a bit of luck? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think it's a very interesting one. As you said, the, the unknowns with Emmett are, are the big issue here. You know, obviously he was a junior college wrestler, teenage, training a team alpha male. He's, he'll obviously be trying to put his wrestling into this one, especially against a guy, you know, like Jeremy Stevens, who's known as a striker. But Emmett hits really hard. You know, Stevens, <laughs> as the meme goes, he said he's the harding, hardest hitting 145 pounder. Uh, but Emmett hits pretty hard too. You know, if, if this stays on the feet... I think someone will get knocked out because these guys both swing. But I think Josh Emmett, if he's intelligent in this one, I think he will try to use that wrestling, will try to get Jeremy Stevens down. But Stevens has, as you were mentioned there, he's kind of turned from maybe an also ran in that division to someone who has improved an awful lot. And something has kind of just clicked with him. You know, as you mentioned, Dio Chai, really good win, knocking him out. Gilbert Melendez, you know, he's beaten the likes of, you know, Hinnan Barrow, Dennis Bermudez and stuff as well. You know, he's a lot of losses in there as well uh, to the likes of, of uh, Max Holloway and then Frank Yeager. But, you know, it's Jeremy Stevens' tough fight for anyone. I'm looking forward to this. If Josh Emmett can win this, he, you know, he's into that championship talk there straight away because that division, you know, it's it's a li- it can be a little top heavy with Frank Yeager fighting Brian Ortega as well. There's another um, there's another contender going to be gone uh, there in 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 this couple of weeks coming up. Jose Aldo's not getting a title shot anytime soon. You know, Cobb Swanson uh, just lost recently as well, and obviously Lamas. So that's the whole top six there. There's only go- there's going to be two people emerging. You know, either Edgar or Ortega, or or Josh Emmett and uh, and Jeremy Stevens. So it's a big opportunity for both of them, and uh, you know, maybe especially for. Uh, for for Josh Emmett, but yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to to that fight, and I think it's it's probably going to be um probably going to be a fun one. Um, the co-main event in Jessica. It's actually and... really like Yeah, you like what? Yeah, I, I like this fight. I think I think this is this is an interesting one. Jessica Andrade has looked really like she's looked much improved since she dropped down in weight, and she she's really really tough as well. Atisha Torres, like she's she she puts a lot of output uh, in. She she moves around a lot. She she mixes it up. Um, I'd probably I'd probably go with Andrade in this one, but it'd be, it's a good test for Andrade. Like she she kind of impressed in in defeat. Um, what was it about a year ago now? Um, against Joanna and Jacek, and she beat Claudia Gadella, like which is definitely no joke. So I I'd, I'd go with, I'd go with Andrade in this one, but I think Tisha Torres is a is a good test for her. It's a, it's a bit different. Um, like obviously Gadella has a bit of cardio problems historically, and it kind of came out again in uh in the Andrade fight, but uh. Yeah, I think this is this is a good fight, and I think 
I think and Draj will, will have too much. I think maybe maybe she'll be able to power through some punches that Tisha Torres won't be able to power through. Mm-hmm. I, I tend to agree with you and I think for Tisha Torres this is an absolutely huge fight because she's one and one with the champion Rose Nam Yunus. You know, if she wins this, she she's likely getting that next title shot. Obviously, Rose is fighting Yoni and JJ in a rematch coming up here pretty soon. But you know, if she wins this, I think she's almost guaranteed to be the next in line. Whereas, and uh, you know, obviously Tisha's never fought the Yunjecek as well. So even if Yunjecek wins, that fight makes sense. Whereas Jessica Andrade has um has lost to Yunjecek, but I, I suppose she'd be hoping um she'd be hoping that Rose wins that one so she can get in there. So it's, this is a this is a big fight, but I do think to agree with you, Tisha Torres is a little small for that division as well. And as you mentioned, Jessica Andrade came down, what, she fought 135, didn't she even? So you know, she's going to be big in, in that division. And I think that might be a little bit too much. Tisha Torres' wrestling is obviously very good and something she goes to a lot and uses her speed and everything. But I think it's going to have to be a very detailed, um, speed-orientated, you know, a lot of jabs, a lot of, um, uh, you know, a lot of strikes to get the better of Jessica Andrade for Tisha Torres. And she might be able to do that. I rate Tisha Torres very highly. She may be able to do that. But I think it's it's going to take her stepping up to the plate in a big way. And I just think that the, the pace or, or the uh, power of Andrade and her ability to cut down the cage, kind of John Lineker style, is going to be tough for Tisha Torres and uh but I'm really looking forward to that it is a good fight I, I could see Torres maybe jamming her up and, and running away for the three rounds something you know that I, I was talking about maybe Sage Narcot should be doing she's a similar style you know she's a kind of karate background as well with, with, with her wrestling and she, she's pretty well rounded but I think maybe the size and the power will will just tell for Andrade but looking forward to that um apart from that then there's some good fights in the undercard. Gilbert Burns against Olivia Aubin Mercier. Um, Angela Hill is back against Marna Moroz. It should be a good fight. Ben Saunders, the, the jiu-jitsu uh, expert, obviously, in, is in against the, the most beautiful man in MMA, Alan Joban. Uh, my, my, one of my favorites, Sarah McMahon, is back against Marion Renault. Brian Keller against Hinnom Barrow, who we mentioned a few minutes ago, the former bantamweight champion of the world. A lot of good fights. OSP against Ilar Latifi. Yeah, I like that. Latifi fight. Who do you think with that one? I go with OSP, but but like later Tifi had a great win against Tyson Pedro in his last one, and he's he's definitely a really good fighter. But I just I just think OSP ends up like you know that split decision against Uzdemir. Like people at the time were like, oh, maybe OSP isn't as good as we thought he is, but thought he was. But then you look back at, at what Uzdemir has done since, and you think, oh, well maybe maybe we can look at that a bit differently. Like and the Jimmy Mano one was 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 the one where you're just where you were kind of surprised that OSP wasn't able to implement his game. But before that it was like I know it was a loss to John Jones and it was a comprehensive loss, but it, he, he he showed like he showed a lot in that fight. Like John Jones is obviously a, a highly skilled, one of the one of the most talented fighters there's, there's ever been. Um so he's definitely no joke uh, uh OSP. So I'd, I'd go with OSP in this one, but it's 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 a real kind of 50-50 fight. Um, OSP can also do a lot of nothing sometimes as well. He can kind of stand around. and I just think he has so much power. I, I know Ilir Latifi has a lot of power as well, but he's a smaller guy uh, like height-wise and length-wise than, than OSP. So I think OSP will have enough here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I'd, uh, I tend to agree with that. Although, you know Latifi with that big right hand yeah, is always dangerous. So I'm looking forward to that. And uh, yeah, there's a, a lot of good fights and that. So so please, well, please, I don't Mike care. Perry's watch back. If you want to watch it, yeah, Mike Perry's back. He probably <laughs> he probably either yeah he probably knocked the fuck out of someone. So yeah, looking forward to that. Uh, right, let's look forward as well to Cage Warrior. 
the enigma- enigmatic, is that the right word? I don't even know what that word means, but there you go. Uh, Paddy Pimblett <laughs> returns to fight Alexis Sevilius. Obviously, we know him. He fought uh, Paul Redmond uh, a good while back now at this stage in that Cage Warriors card where Joseph Duffy uh, fought in Dublin. Um, maybe not the, the stiffest test in the world, but I think a good test for Paddy Pimblett, you know, coming back off of those... T- no, it wasn't two losses. One loss in a row and the other one... Probably, you know, should have been lost in a lot of people's uh, a lot of people's eyes, but he lost to Nadna Armani and got that tough twenty-five minute fight with Julian Arosa as well. So coming off of two twenty-five minute fights in a row, and looking forward to seeing him back, seeing what improvements he's made. Yeah, uh, I think I think a lot of people are quick to criticize Paddy Pimler, but he's also another guy who's, who's really young as well, and mm-hmm. he's definitely got some, some uh, high level uh, jujitsu, but uh, he's had obviously a bad run of it the last the last year or so, so. It's important for him to get the win here, and I think um, I think he's going to be the bigger guy in there. If I remember right, when when uh, Savitas is that how you say it? When he when he fought uh, Redzer, he was he he looked like a featherweight fighting a, a lightweight, and maybe he's grown into his body a bit more since, or muscle. Uh, he's a bit more uh, filled out, but I think Paddy Pimblett's going to be able to take him down, and I think once he takes him down, he'll he'll get the probably rear naked choke. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably tend to agree with you as well. Yeah, it's, a, it's an important fight for Paddy, obviously, in Liverpool as well. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, I think it's important for him to make a big statement here and show, show those improvements uh, because he's still like, OK, you, uh, I think we spoke about it after his last fight to, to write Paddy Pimblett off, Joe Pearl kind of, but he, he has to show those improvements. He has to show he's not this guy, you know, who, who got that big contract with Cage Warriors. And, you know, I remember at the time there was talks, he turned the UFC down to stay with Cage Warriors for another while. You know, he can't be, you know, he, Paddy Pimblett doesn't want to be remembered as the guy that could have been, you know, the big what if. And, and, you know, this is the time to turn it around. And I think um, I think he can turn it around because, as you said, he's young and he's very, very talented. But he those improvements have to come. And I think this is uh, this is the start of it. So I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Paddy Pimblett. And hopefully it'll be a, a big 2018 for him. And I'd love to see him uh, get towards the, towards the UFC. And uh, yeah, it should be a good fight. Um, the other scouts are in. Molly McCann is on this card against Bryony Terrell, who the lads from lads from Sevier did the uh, UK arm fought for, I believe this is for the inaugural 125-pound title. Monique McCann has impressed an awful lot in her last few fights, and uh, I know you've been impressed with her as well, and this should be a good fight. Yeah, I think uh, similar enough to the, the, the Pimler fight, I think um, Molly McCann is going to be the, the bigger the bigger girl in there, and I think I think uh, Terrell usually, usually fights down uh, down a strawways, but there, there isn't really that outside of Invicta and um and the or without like you know Invicta and UFC have most of the most of the talent in them division snapped up so it is hard to it is hard to match these girls especially uh especially because it, they, if you just keep away from the, the toughest matchups in the uh, in the local scene you probably end up in either Invicta or the UFC so it's, it kind of makes sense to to not really maybe fight the the, the top unsigned talent uh for for way less money than you could get. Uh, in the UFC, so uh, yeah, I think I think Molly McCann's wrestling will, uh, will be a bit too much. It'll probably be like a, a dominant wrestling display. I'd say the mm-hmm. decision win. Yeah, look it's five rounds though, so yeah, yeah. it'll be interesting to see how how McCann looks over five rounds. I don't think she's she's done that before, so I don't see there being a problem. But you, you never know; it changes it a bit. Yeah, with the. Uh... The 125 pound division coming into UFC as well. This could be a big fight, uh, a big fight for Molly McCann uh, and Bryony Terrell as well. You know, if she was to come out there and beat Molly McCann, that could get her a place in the UFC. So it's it's a big fight for her. But uh, yeah, I, I'd favor Molly McCann in that one. I think she's she's impressive and she's someone who is improving as well. And you know, obviously that gym is gym is on fire uh, at the moment. Uh, 
anything else in the card they're sticking out? Dylan Manning is uh, Lloyd, Lloyd Manning's brother. The, the Manning brothers are top uh, or judo guys in Ireland, so they're 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 very high level. Um, he's he's um, Dylan Manning uh, is. I think he was. Well, let me just double check his amateur. I was at his last fight. There you go. Six and three at amateur, uh, according to uh, according to topology. Sometimes though, uh, at amateur fights can can get go missing on on records a little easier than they can on pro. But it may he may have more wins or he may have more fights in, in general than that. Uh, his last one was a, was a loss to to Phil Mopeter, his brother Stuart Mopeter. So that yeah, was a good fight. yeah. So um, it'd be interesting to see him make his pro debut. That was that was uh, what about eight months ago. So there's been a lot of time in between. Usually, usually it's it's kind of strange to see guys turning pro off a loss. But uh, he was on a three fight win streak before that, and. Um, if you get if you get offered if you get offered the fight in cage wars, you're obviously going to take it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah so uh, right. Let's for, let's for, move uh, on. But that should be a good fight. You know, should be a good card. Uh, cage wars card this weekend. It's on BT Sport Three, I believe, and on Fight yeah. Pass as well. That Alexander yeah, Jakobsen okay. against Lawrence Fitzpatrick fight should be a good one to, to watch as well. And uh, um, yeah, the rest of it is kind of uh, new pros fighting each other. So it'd be, it'd be interesting to see who who comes out of that looking good. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we get to the questions, Will Brooks this week was left the UFC. He oh, lost yeah, yeah. Uh, three in a row, three of his four fights. Lost to Nick Lins, Charles Oliveira, yeah. and Alex Oliveira with his one win in the UFC, being uh, being Ross Pearson. It was a, it's a bit sad, isn't it? Just someone who who we expected so much out of, who was obviously a Bellator champion. You know, we we talked about Michael Chandler there a few minutes ago. How much we respect him, how much of a good fighter he is. He beat Michael Chandler twice, and he comes over to UFC and kind of you know lays an egg a little bit, and it just it just didn't go for him at all, did it? No, yeah, it didn't. We we, we talked about it as you said uh, in the past. It just a lot was expected, and he came in and he he got a couple of he got a couple of decision wins, or he got a decision win in his debut against Ross Pearson, and it, it was a good win. Like Ross Pearson was an awkward guy to fight, but it wasn't what people were expecting. But you kind of maybe write it off. Oh, he's first fight in the UFC. Maybe there's a bit of nerves there. But then he goes out there and gets gets finished by Alex Oliveira, and then gets finished by Charles Oliveira, and then gets finished by Nick Lentz. So it's definitely a fall from grace. Like as you say, Mike Chandler is uh, highly respected and really, really good fighter. Um, like them wars he had with Eddie Alvarez are some of the best fights in recent memory, some of the best fights ever. Uh, so. It was it was just it was a disappointing stint in the UFC from Will Brooks, but maybe he just needs to freshen it up and, and having one one million dollars on the line in this in this tournament that the P or the Professional Fighters League are talking about doing is a is a big incentive to put the work in. And I, I don't know I don't know who else is going to be at the tournament, but Will Brooks would obviously be one of the favorites for that. Even even no matter who they put in, just due to just due to everybody else being signed up by by Bellator and the UFC. Remember Norman Park was talking about being in that uh, a while back. That I wouldn't mind seeing that fight. Norman Park and uh, Will Brooks. That'd be a pretty good fight. You yeah, can, uh, can imagine be, it being yeah. a, a big battle against the cage and stuff. It might be the best fight in the world, but it'd be a good battle, I think, and it'd be nice to see that. But yeah, I think Will Brooks. I, I hope he can go out and win a lot of fights uh, outside of the UFC and get back into the UFC and recapture that. Maybe that's what he needs. You know, a lot of these guys, you know, they they kind of. They need to kick up the arse, you know. Professional athletes need it sometimes. Like he, you know, when he got into the UFC, maybe he thought, you know, I beat Michael Chandler, I'm gonna go in there, I'm gonna win that belt, and then it didn't go for him. Maybe he needs to, you know, fight in in front of two thousand people or, or 
you know, for, for a, a small amount of money to get back in there. And it's sad that that has to happen in a professional, for a professional fighter like, but maybe that's what he needs to, to get back in there and reach the top level because, you know, the, Nick Lintz is not a top fighter, beat him either as Charles Oliveira. Alex Oliveira is a good fighter, but you, you know, someone of, of the caliber of a Bellator champion who beat Michael Chandler twice should be going in there beating guys like that. And it just, it didn't work out for him. And look, I hope he, he gets back to that level. Uh, and uh, I think he has, you know, he has what it takes to do that, but uh, we're, we're going to need to, you know, we're going to need to see it. But uh, yeah, that's that anyway. And one last thing, UFC 221 came out dave Meltzer announced on the wrestling observer newsletter great podcast give it a listen and subscribe to uh the wrestling observer did one hundred and thirty thousand buys which i wanted to bring up because we kind of talked about this a while back and I, what, what was i on i was on some other podcast and talking about it and how this really showed that there is a base for mma and like i don't care the base is between 100 and maybe 120 to 250 maybe is that base that every car is going to get no matter who's on it and i think the point i just kind of wanted to make was people talk about why are they doing these big cards putting all the, the champions on it maybe like three belts or two belts on it and stuff and i think the reason is because exactly that 130,000 people will buy like a, a car that just absolutely fell apart and the, the, the one big draw that was on it was on australia didn't have much media coverage or anything and it's still 130,000 people bought it like how many more people would have bought that card let's, let's say if it's mighty mouse or tyron woodley or max holloway or whatever in just a normal title defense not against someone big like how many people are going to buy that card maybe okay maybe it might be two maybe it might be 250,000 so it might close to double it right how much more money are you actually making out of that? Like how how much how much bigger is that than the very base? Like if if Whitaker hadn't fallen out of that, you know, maybe you might have got two hundred thousand buys. Like they're very they're all coming in coming in pretty similar. So when you put all those guys on a card, you know, you might get five hundred thousand buys, and that's that's a big jump up from one hundred and thirty thousand to five hundred thousand. When you know you'll get that five hundred thousand anyway. So like if you put Let's say you put Mighty Mouse and you put Woodley on a card and you get, you know, you get 70,000 extra buys more than you get that that base that we saw at the weekend. So you get 140,000 buys. But what if you put them both on the same card and then you may, might get 450,000 buys or someone else on the card as well and get that amount. And then you're, you're you know, you're jumping up 300,000 buys and you're still getting 130,000 buys as the base from that card that they're not on. So I think it makes sense to put them on a card and build up these big cards and maybe put them as the co-main to, you know, the heavyweight title or whatever and build those cards and to make them bigger because you always have that base anyway. Do you, do you get my point? Yeah, I do. Um, it's, it's really hard to know like because streams are just so easily available and so, such high quality that maybe, maybe okay, the, the, the Rockhold and Romero fight is, is a big fight for the for the casuals people, people or for the, the hardcores and not for the casuals. But maybe you know, sixty sixty quid is a, is a, in America for the pay per view is a lot. So if you can't get two or three, four mates together in order to split the pay per view, you're probably just going to end up streaming it if you if you want to see the fight. And maybe if you put like Mighty Mouse on the card, people will still stream it. But maybe if you put a, a slightly bigger name or not like Demetrius Johnson, obviously a really big name, but he just isn't a isn't a draw on pay per view. But if you put maybe a, a Cerrone, uh, maybe if you move that from, from him and Yankovic from the main event to the co-main event of the Australia card, maybe maybe a few more, a few more, a good few more. It's, it's really hard to know how many. Like maybe a hundred thousand, who knows? But maybe you could get 
hundred thousand more pay per views because friends are willing to knock about that night and they're they're, they're more excited because they're fans of Roni and they want to see the the interim title fight. So it's really hard. <clears throat> it's really hard to know. And when people are talking about all these pay per view numbers and they're they're obviously not factoring in. Obviously, when you're talking about pay per view numbers, you, you don't factor in illegal streams. But when you're comparing them to previous fights where there wasn't these illegal streams available, or when they were, the legal streams were available, they were really bad quality, and you ended up missing everything. And mm-hmm. you, you wouldn't be sure if it were, if the, the stream would die halfway through. Nowadays, you don't have to worry about that. You know, the stream's going to be HD if you wanted HD. Like if you know where to look. So, it's an interesting one. So it's really hard to know. Like uh, it'd be, I'd really be, it'd be really interesting to know who, how many. How many illegal views, illegal stream views are 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 watched on these pay per views and these fight nights um, that the UFC are putting on in the last few years? Yeah, yeah, I, I I definitely agree with that. But I think the point is kind of is still there that you see the reason why they're putting those cards and maybe even to get people off of those illegal ones, you know, to get the the proper uh, the proper stream legal stream or the proper you know pay per view, it takes putting on those big cards, and that's the reason why they do it because that, as I said, that base will still be there. So it's I think it's important to understand that uh, going forward. Right, let's also, get into numbers aren't always uh, aren't always. Uh, leave poor Dave like, alone. It's, it's, an, it's an estimate. It's an, it's an estimate uh, based on. I don't know, like the best, the best uh, sources he has, but they're they're not official numbers. I I won't have a bad word said about David Meltzer. That man's a genie, legend, David Meltzer. <laughs> right, let's get to the questions. You can send them into us during the week, severe podcast at gmail.com or you can tweet them directly at severe MMA pod. You can follow Graham at severe may follow me at Shanji and Ba. Follow us on Facebook as well and Instagram and all those good places. You'll find us there. Right, the Nakil Day Q and A. Uh, we'll run through these questions pretty quickly this week. We want to keep you. Uh, James Vick will fight for the lightweight or welterweight title. True or false, Graham? Ever. Yeah. Um, false. I'm going to say true. England will have the next male UFC champion out of all European countries. Does Russia count? Russia's in Europe, yeah. Yeah, so false. I'm gonna uh, say no. But what about uh, Joanna? Could win there in a couple of weeks' time coming up. Yeah, she's she, uh, she's the favorite. I'd say on that as well. Uh, uh, who is that from so, England anyway? Like who? What? DKC. DKC is a good bit away from it. Who else is there out of England? Um. Yeah. Um. Uh, think of anyone. Ross Pearson. Yeah. You win. Leon yeah, no, Edwards. Like nobody's really yeah. knocking on the door of, of the. You love your, You love her by Edwards. You love. Fa- well, you, I made you didn't say. Yeah. I made you didn't say Fabian Edwards. I made you didn't say. Uh, Cowboy Stroney will go undefeated in 2018. False. He'll just fight too many times. That it's, it's unlikely. Did you see my useless fact that I put up that he lost the fight in 2017, unbeaten in 2016, lost in 2015, unbeaten in 2014, lost in 2013, and beaten in 2012, I believe. So every second year he goes unbeaten. <laughs> so I'm going to say true just so I can tweet out that useless fact again uh, next year. Uh, an alternate will win the Bellator Grand Prix. I'm tempted to say true, but I'll go. I'll go false. So I think Bader Bader's gonna win it. I think King Mo. I don't know. I just have a feeling King Mo will win it. But I, yeah, I, I'm gonna say one of them anyway. I'm gonna say false. Uh, May Mac was just was applied to trick the world into accepting Connor took 12 months off of MMA when he was secretly becoming prime Damian Maya to submit to Tony Habib. Uh, no, I think that's. I think that's. False. No, yeah, it was to make a shitload of money. Yeah. Derek Lewis will fight Francis Ngano within six months. I'd say, I'd say true. I say it's true. 
Um, Mr. Podge asks about Zabit Megamid Sharapov talking about people turning him down. He uh, he said uh, Miles Jury, Arnold, Allen, Pantera, Touchy Feely all turned him down, and that uh, Artem Lobov accepted, but that uh, his team declined it. And he said, "Why? Why are so many people turning down? Is it that hard to get in fights? And why would SPG turn it down for Artem? Well, maybe Artem turned it down because he's already a fight lined up against." Alex uh, Alex Caceres coming up, which we talked about on the extra podcast uh, a while ago. But it's you know fighters all the time have been dodged. Lots of people dodging. I'm no, I'm not saying these guys have. But we were talking about Vic earlier, like yeah, yeah. It's like especially for a guy like Zabit, who is he? Is he even ranked yet? Or you know, let me let me just look at the rankings here. Um, no, he's, no he's not even ranked yet. Like it's he is dangerous. He should be ranked. He's better than. Ugh, 50% of those guys already that are ranked I think uh, and it's why would you take that fight what's it what's going to do for you like and he's you know he's a tough tough guy so you can understand it but fighters that say you know I never dodge anyway I take every fight you can take that with a pinch of salt a lot of times that's that's actually rarer than you think I think in the UFC yeah uh, I, don't, I don't know what's going on with the Korean zombie, but he must be injured or something. But uh, I'd like to see that fight. Mm-hmm. I know Korean zombies ranked a lot higher, but he, he's he's known to just take whatever fight they offer him as well. So um, he might be an option. Yeah, I agree. Uh, what a lot of people have asked about your choice of pancake uh, and it's cheese. We did a we did a, <laughs> a poll, and like I think it was ninety five percent of people said cheese is one that makes me vomit. Uh, what's the crack? Did you have cheese on your pancake this year? I actually didn't this year, but uh, I've been known to in the past. That was that was disgusting. I had uh, you, we did you try it out? Did you? No, I didn't. My fuck, I had bacon and syrup. Patrick made me one, so I had that, and it was. You didn't try- I had the cheese, no? I did my fuck that. Why would I want to get sick? Disgusting. Uh, Roddy Frogmore asked. Roddy Frogmore asked as well, is Har- Hardy versus uh, Hulaton the clear front runner for worst fight of the year? Uh, I'd say, well, Nobler asked the same question. Yeah, um, I can't really remember. There's, there's definitely been some terrible fights, but maybe in the, in the yeah, in the UC, it's it's definitely up there. It was in Bellator, how dare you? Or sorry, yeah, sorry, in the, the, the top promotions, I mean, like, there's obviously... Yeah. There's obviously all these like regional promotions going on that n- most people don't get to see, where there's a bunch of absolutely horrendous fights as well. So, in the in the the top the top promotions, I think it's it's definitely a leading contender. The upper echelon, is it? Sorry, the upper echelon. The upper echelon, yeah. Someone said that you always say the upper echelon, which brings us on to our next question from Sean Beth. Oh, I didn't even notice I would say that. Maybe I, did. I don't. I didn't realize it either. If Graham was to ever become a pro wrestler, what would his gimmick and catchphrase be? Jesus, I don't know. You know more about this than me. You should probably tell me. You know, like you would be. Do you know what they're missing in pro wrestling? Someone like that's that's um a pothead, like someone that goes around just like smoking hash all the time. And <laughs> I'd reckon you could do that. You could you could pull that off. Like Nick Diaz could be my tag team partner. Exactly. Yeah, you could do like the Diaz brothers putting up middle fingers and stuff, and just like sitting in front row in the crowd and like refusing to fight people and all until they pay you what you're worth. Uh, yeah, <laughs> That'd be that'd be good uh, a good one for you. My, my, my catchphrase could be like that's that's like your opinion or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anytime no, anybody no. says anything, Stone Cold's like, I'm gonna whoop your ass over can't I'm always like that's just like your opinion or whatever. <laughs> just uh, not everyone that wants to fight you just say you 
<laughs> just say their last opponent made him look like a world class striker. <laughs> no, they made their last opponent a world class striker. Oh, uh, yeah, I like that. I like that. Uh, we, we have to think of someone, think up of a name for Graham. We'll send it in and we'll pick out the best one next uh, next week. Uh, Wally Frogmore asks again, how many fights until Derek Lewis becomes part of Team Sheehan? God almighty. I, I'm beginning to like Derek Lewis in like a kind of a perverted way, in that, like, he's just so bad, he's good. Like, I, I don't know. Your team Sheehan is like the Sheehan squad now. It's like you got like a practice squad and everything. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about putting Curtis Melinda on today. He impressed me a lot, an awful lot, but no. You I'm stick him on the practice that. squad and test him out for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll stick him on that uh, on that practice squad. Uh, M. McLean asked, should Graham consider doing a football co- podcast with vast the vast knowledge he drops on the podcast every week? Him and Siri would be a good show. Listen, listen, Jesus you might. Fucking... That'd be a bit of crack. We'd just be slagging Man United the whole time. Be too, it'd be too, uh, yeah, too it'd be too tempting not to listen. You you might have the opportunity to to hear that if you want to in a, in a, in the next couple of weeks here. So stay tuned to the podcast. Maybe if you want to hear uh, Graham myself talk a little bit more about soccer, you can you can maybe get that. You can maybe maybe achieve that if that's what you want. But uh, yeah, we'll we, we'll uh, we'll talk about that more in a couple of weeks. Simon Darty, <clears throat> I love the Black Beast. I celebrated in silence so as not to wake my sleeping girlfriend beside me last <laughs> night. Big fan. Uh, but does Stipe beat him within 12 seconds? <laughs> he must not train wrestling at all. Yeah, Stipe would... would <laughs> him, yeah, he? definitely be picking Stipe in that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Andy Stevenson says about Cowboy going back to 55. Uh, with him against Vic or Gaethje. Are we talk about Gaethje out around. What about that Vic fight? That'd be a pretty good fight as well, wouldn't it? Yeah, Vic and Gaethje, is it, yeah? Yeah. I mentioned that earlier. Yeah, yeah. I think that'd be that'd be real nice. That'd be a real uh, interesting style matchup. Uh, the problem with, with getting people to fight you is, is probably going to continue. Like you know, uh, when you when you okay, it wasn't like a spectacular knockout like it was against uh, Joseph Duffy, but everybody knows how how awkward and good Ronaldo is. So I don't think that's going to help his case. Uh, getting guys who didn't want to fight him to fight him, but Justin Gaethje is a guy who he seems to be a guy who doesn't care who he fights. He just wants to fight and he just wants to go forward. And he, I'd, I'd be surprised if he turned it down. So yeah, I think that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, Kevin as well at Kev Carl's asked about, can Vic uh, compete with the top guys? Yeah. We've talked, spoken about that a lot. I, I, I definitely think he can. And you know, it's, I'd like to see that Barbosa fight as well. Robert Burke, Robert Burke, 2011, uh, with nine chaos for Derek Lewis, second highest in UFC in heavyweight history. Does he deserve more respect from the promotion, or is he just like Marmite? We either hate him or love him. See, that is a bit weird. I, it's not that you hear. I think people are indifferent to him, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I don't think. I don't think it's that either. I just think you look at Derek Lewis, like, and he's clearly a limited fighter. But it's you. Ha- I, like, I think you have to appreciate his heart and his. You know, as I, I, I gave a bit of a rant about it earlier on. You know, his desire and his insatiable appetite to win. <laughs> but you can't. You can't ignore him not being that good like you how you can't ignore him being limited if someone goes out there like if i came on here now and said Derek lewis is great he does everything well he's he's on this nine ko's he's brilliant like i'd be lying to you like what do you want someone actually lying to you like uh because you know that that's just the thing of it you have to speak honestly about these things and i look he's winning and uh, fair play to him but yeah, i don't know he's finding a way to win and it, that's that's the beauty of mma i suppose because you know there's I, so many levelers I think, I think, yeah, I think just like the casual fans haven't like they're just they don't know who Derek Lewis is, and if if they have seen him, they've seen him in in fights. Like we were kind of talking about it earlier. He hasn't really fought the the upper echelon of mm-hmm. uh, the division, so uh, <laughs> so uh, he hasn't really beaten anybody of name value that maybe make the casuals uh, take notice and be like, "Wow, look at this guy! He's he's one to watch." But 
um as you say if you if you keep winning you can't really argue with that like maybe he looks he looks uh inept on the ground sometimes but he manages to get the job done and that's what matters and like when i was watching watching that fight last night maybe a lot of the time you kind of when somebody's getting taken down that easily and kind of dominated on the ground you might think ah this is over but with Derek lewis you knew that like all he needed was uh, all he needed was some kind of mistake or he needed to get back up and he could end it at any moment. Like he, like we talked about last week, he he probably be losing this fight. I thought Tyboro would probably get the job done just with wrestling, but uh, you were you were saying, and we were we were both saying that it's just you can't rule the guy out, and um, he keeps you he keeps you watching, keeps you interested, even even if it is even if it isn't the really high level MMA, it's it's interesting, and you know that the KO could just be around the corner. So he's he's uh, he's. Like the steep age thing is 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 a bit of a massive stretch until he until he beats some guys in the in the, in the at the top of the division. But uh, not everybody can be like world beater, world champion, all that stuff. So he's he's good to have around, and uh, he's an interesting test for a lot of people as well. Yeah. Um, let me just get a question there. Uh, Evan Keaveney at Evan Keaveney asks thoughts on Fire Kid versus Terry and Weir. That fight was made today. Tom Duke will obviously come back. He's going to be fighting on UFC London actually coming up here not too oh, long. Really? Terry and Weir, his last fight, yeah, he lost to Sean O'Malley, Sugar Sean O'Malley, the ultimate fighter finale. Also fought lost to Cody Staman and he fight for that. He's he's fought good guys as well, like Leandro. He guys fought um, Joe Soda before lost lost to both of them, but he's a you know a, a big experienced guy. Um, it should be it shouldn't be a fun fight, you know. He's six KOs, three submissions, and he's seventeen yeah. wins. So I'm I'm looking forward to that that fight. It's good to see Fire Kid back. Obviously, one of the top prospects in um in 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 Europe, and you know we kind of uh, as uh, Nickel Day mentioned there, <clears throat> it's um it's kind of an odd time. Well, not not an odd time, but a kind of a changing time now for um for european mma and you know it's fire kids one top prospects and i think uh, a big uh, big performance needed from him here yeah i think this is a this is a nice style matchup for, or a nice matchup for duke and Wah. he he needs to win here as well like um he's yeah he's only lost he's only lost one and it was a it ended up being a split decision but i thought it was i thought stamana definitely had definitely won the fight and even in even uh duke and Wah in his uh in his debut uh, uc debut against pat williams he he had a few shaky moments against against a guy who who he should have done maybe he should have done or was expected to do a little bit better against. Obviously, when you when you mm-hmm. finish the guy in the second round, it wasn't that bad. But uh, if he wants to keep this like uber prospect tag and the excitement around him, I think it's important that he gets the win here uh, and not like a split decision win or like an unimpressive win. So uh, I think it's an, it's a nice style match for him. And I think looking at the record he recorded of uh, where he he. Uh, it should be the the hardest fight Ware's ever had in his career, and Duke was obviously got a lot of tools, and uh, it's easy to kind of like, there was a lot of hype around Duke and before when he was in Bama when he signed for the UFC, and it's easy to kind of when somebody loses to just kind of abandon all that. But I, I'm still very excited about him. He, he's he has a few unique kind of movements, and he's got a lot of tools, and he's an exciting fighter. He's willing to he's willing to get hit a little in order to make a to make a firefight out of things, which. In the long run, will probably cost him a few, cost him a few fights, and he's been dropped already in his UFC career. I think more than once. I think so. He's he's definitely um, 
he's definitely going to be an exciting one for the future and I think he gets a job done here and gets back on track yeah 100% uh, Fight Picks asked did you see ACB over the weekend obviously we talked about it a little bit um, a little bit last week I saw I think it was Grabak Hitman tweet I missed the card and I, I was going to go back and watch some of it but I saw him tweeting every fight I believe went to a decision so yeah. I didn't <laughs> go back but it was yeah. good wins, uh, Albert Tumanov, who you spoke about during the week yeah, there. Tumanov, he, yeah, like, Sean Burrell took a, took a bit of a serious beating. He, he showed serious toughness like like he always has, but uh, Tumanov, Tumanov striking crisp again. And I think, though, the the guys that are going to cause Tumanov the most problems are the guys that can put him on his back repeatedly, and, and Sean Burrell wasn't able to do that. Um, yeah, Ali Ali Bagov as well won against uh, Leandro Silva. Yeah. and uh, They're, they're yeah, actually the only two fights I saw, the, the comment and the main. Yeah. Uh, and the last question here from Kildara, a friend of the podcast, Derek Kelly. With a lot of African-born talent now in the UFC, how, do you think it's feasible to hold an event in Africa? If so, where? I think South Africa would probably be the place. You know, there's a lot of big sporting events. Obviously, there's a lot of rugby and stuff on in South Africa. Mm-hmm. I think it'd probably be feasible. I don't there, know what but, the landscape is, uh, MMA-wise yeah. over there, but it's such a such a big continent that hasn't had a, hasn't had a UFC show. So I would guess that it, it would go down well um i'm not sure what the time zones and so far either but the ufc have, have dealt with that before with like australia and and other other uh other they've put on pay-per-views even like you know where at a sunday mornings in australia and stuff like that so it's definitely doable if you really want to make it happen and the, the, the more the more fighters they do have at the top of the, the cards uh like people like francis and ganu like you can see being a big draw over there and uh Jacasey and like maybe maybe if Nganu had a won there might have been a bit of more of a push to to get the the heavyweight champion over there but uh, he could he could definitely make another run at the title he's young in his career so maybe they'll wait till they have an uh like a, a big draw champion before doing it but I definitely wouldn't rule it out go back to Zaire with the heavyweight championship that'd be that'd be the way to do it wouldn't it Muhammad Ali <laughs> let's make it happen yeah, but that's it um thanks everyone for the questions as i said uh, if you want to send them in during the week you can send them in at severe and pod or email severe podcast at gmail.com and uh, we'll get to them all and we, we'll keep them uh, ready for the podcast next week okay and the anything else to add before we go um no get over get over to severe and Check out all the, the content and go over to the, the shop, uh, severemma.com forward slash merchandise. And uh, uh, if you haven't already, rate us five stars on iTunes and give us a little uh, give us a little review or whatever whatever podcast app you're using. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks very much for all the support as well. Our last, uh, our last couple of months have been the best couple of months uh, we've had in a, a good while on the podcast. So, and uh, we appreciate all the support and uh, spread, spread the word around as well. We want to keep growing all the time and... Um, yeah, as I said, uh, keep a, keep an eye on out in the next couple of weeks. We with a, a few announcements coming, so um, do that. Uh, as I said, at Severe MMA Pod on Twitter at ChanchiMBA and at Severe MMA. Follow our podcast as well over on Facebook. We don't use that much, but you can follow it there anyway. And that uh, follow Severe MMA Com, I believe it is on Facebook, with where uh, Graham runs that, and you putting out all the good stuff there. Shanchi and MMA as well. I'm on Facebook. You can follow me there. Right. That's it. We're actually going to be coming out on a Tuesday this this week, so my uh, my outro will actually uh, actually work. But before that, here is the inspirational quote of the week: "Telling the truth and making someone cry is better than telling a lie to make someone smile." We'll see you next Tuesday.